Welcome back to More Than Running. I'm your host, Dana Giordano. And on this podcast, I've spanned a lot of topics and one of them has been social media. And that's where this week's guests come into play. Aaron Bailey and Kate Keen sit in a fun space that I like to call where running meets influencer meets marketing. This is a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time, and I'll give you a little bit more background of each of our guests. Erin Bailey is the founder of Momentum Management. She's actually my creator manager as well. Erin wears many hats. She's a fitness model, founder. She also has experience working at companies as an influencer manager and really understands the health and wellness space fully. I've been so grateful to have Erin working with me to help secure brand deals, but also learn more about the marketing space. Erin lives in New York City and visiting for the weekend was our other guest. Kate Keene is an Olympic trials qualifier. She ran the marathon in 2020 and is chasing big dreams, trying to get that OTQ for 2024. Kate has an incredible full-time job as well. And after graduating from college, really continued her love of running and is telling her story on social media. We connected on TikTok and have become friends ever since. We met for the first time at CIM and it was so great to meet an internet friend in real life. And on this conversation, Aaron, Kate, and I talk about why certain people are sponsored, what running sponsorships are, how the social media landscape works, the difference between professional and amateur, and so much more. This was a really fun conversation. It should feel like a round table with your friends. And if you have ever been interested in being an influencer, getting brand deals, being an athlete that has more sponsorship, sharing this with a friend, If you're in college, interested in getting NIL deals, this is the episode that you should listen to. And I just had too much fun. Lots of giggling on our behalf, perhaps an inside comment here or there, but overall, we just had a great time discussing all things running media related. Enjoy. Today is a very fun conversation that kind of It came up pretty quickly, but it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, and that is on the topic of the intersection of running athlete influencer, and there's no better two people to talk to this about than a... Then, excuse me, then Aaron Bailey and Kate Keen. Oh my gosh, not me messing up your names already this early into a podcast. That's okay. That's okay. Hi. (laughs) All right. So who are you guys? How do we all know each other? That is a great question. Aaron, I'll kick it off to you first. Great. I'm Erin. I am a runner. I'm a creator. I'm a marketer. I'm the founder and owner of Momentum Talent Management, which is part of what brings us all here Together, I have the very privilege of getting to, to manage both these two ladies, Kate and Dana, and lots of other awesome people in the running space, the health and wellness space, and yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and Kate. I'm Kate. I am a runner. I have a full-time job. I'm a dog mom. I 
It's still saying the word creator. I did talk to Aaron about this today. I feel sometimes a little bit of imposter syndrome every now and then, but confidently can say that I am a creator and I like to share my journey with running. I think it's unique. Growing up, I didn't see a lot of stories like mine of professional athletes or semi-professional athletes. So starting to bring more awareness to what the amateur running story really looks like. I love that so much. And if you listen to this podcast, you probably know my story. But if you're, it's your first time here, because hopefully we'll get some new TikTok friends listening to this one. I'm Dana. I'm a professional, former professional track athlete. I have worked in the running world as well. I used to work for a couple of shoe companies. Now I live in San Francisco. I work a, 95, a nine to five. I have this podcast called More Than Running, which is hosted on the Sidious Mag podcast network. And I would say I'm a creator as well. And am I missing anything there? I think that we got it. I think we got it. I think when internet friends become your friends in real life, like that's the coolest thing. <laughs> that's one of the coolest thing about what putting yourself out there like in this community really does. Cause it mm-hmm. looks like for us, like it's so big cause it's our whole world. But then if you break it down, it's really just like a small interwoven like group of people that like love to run and it's in the more than that they have so many other common interests but it's really cool that now I'm like literally sitting here in Aaron's apartment in Brooklyn and then like seven months ago I like didn't I like freaked out at the email that she sent me being like hey I'm starting my own management company can I represent you guys remember the email in the airport TSA line and I freaked out so it's just really cool to think about this It's totally full circle too. And I think the crazy thing is people have no idea how this world works. I still have some friends that ask me like, so what are you now? You get a lot of shoes. Why? And how does that work? And do you need all those? And the answer is likely no. But Erin, I think from your perspective, you could probably describe this landscape like the best because I think you have also worked on the influencer marketing side of things in-house at a bunch of really cool companies. And then you've transitioned now to starting this new thing. So what are you doing now? And what is it that brands are looking for? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. It's all in the like creator economy, which is wild. Cause I feel like when I started actually working in the creator economy, it wasn't called anything. So it's like influence marketing and social and people and partnerships and affiliate. And it's so interesting because it's changed so much. It's still changing constantly and people are still trying to figure it out. So I guess where we are is in this fun space of being creators, being seen as talent, getting brand partnerships and really elevating brands content, elevating who they are in the running space and beyond. And so I'd say from the momentum perspective, we do two things. So half of our business is representing talent like y'all. And so we're really out there to advocate for you all and find partnerships that resonate with who you are and what you're doing and building your brand and also help build your brand. So we could, I've done this with both of you. We brainstorm. What are things you want to be doing? What are things you want to talk about? Like, how does this caption read, right? What are the bigger goals for who you want to be and how can we help support you to get there? And sure, it's fun to get a brand deal and make some money off of that. And that's important, but it's also like a bigger picture of what's the impact you want to make in the world. And that's really the talent side that we try and support and who we like to align ourselves with and collaborate with. And then on the other side, we actually do the brand marketing side too. So sometimes we're helping races or brands go find the talent and, Mm -hmm. and pull them in for campaigns or help them build out their content strategies. So we're also doing, we're doing all of it. We're doing the people side, the social side, the content side, and it's also 
interwoven and it's really just people helping people and people sharing things they love with communities that they've built. Wait, so who's this we're talking about? <laughs> I said this today. This is really what Kate said today. So it's currently a royal week. You might I was like, I think it's just you. You're like, an Aaron? is this new? <laughs> I know. So the agency is currently just me. Yes, it's me. Which is incredible. She's doing it. Which is, I need to say this for her. Because I said this to her today at lunch. I was like, she was like, we. And I was like, Aaron, you need to say, I have started this. I have done this. I have grown this out. I understand you using we as like you and I are collaborating, you and Dana, all of our other amazing talent. But like you really need to realize that like you've done this. I wouldn't be sitting here without you. Like I wouldn't be sitting here talking to Dana without you. I actually used to I like look up to Dana who had no idea who I was because she was a pro. And I'd be like, wow, she's so cool. And like now we're sitting here like face to face with each other. So it's that's it's Aaron. I like to say we for the podcast too. It's a we. We (laughs) which I get. Like I I totally understand. I'm proud of proud of you. It kind of makes you feel a little bit more professional sometimes when you say we, like you you have an assistant or something, but it's it's really not. I did I did just make our first hire. We have help. Thank God, because we need help. So we have help. We're growing. (laughs) We are growing. And you were you're also a model on top of that. But before before I get too far down this path of just gassing up Aaron this entire that's episode, okay. we have to talk about the platform that we all really met on. And I think that's TikTok, of course. But TikTok gets such a bad rap to this day. I've had a couple episodes on the podcast about TikTok. And Kate and I have talked a lot about t- running TikTok in particular, run talk has changed a lot. So I want to hear from you guys of like why you decided to start TikTok and I'll go first. I started TikTok watching in the fall of 2019. So crazy that it's been that long. This app has probably taken up way too much of my time, but I was like straight up a number one COVID adopter. Like day one of the pandemic, I started making videos for running tips for people who wanted to get out of the house and it was back in the days where I think gaining followers was a little bit easier, really just would pop off left and center. And people were like, keep it coming, keep it coming. And I think I posted about two or three times a day, every day for almost a year. So if my TikTok cadence is a little inconsistent now, it's probably because I just really overextended myself in the beginning. But purpose that content, actually. Let's talk about that next. Yeah, we actually should. If this app goes away, then I have a lot in the bank. So if you could go, all, but I get likes on the, that stuff from three years ago every day. It's crazy. I'm like, I don't even remember making this video. I was like, I was in a dark place, but it's been so cool because I have made a really big transition during that time of being a pro runner to now what I'm doing now. And it's definitely running a whole lot less, but still having this platform. But yeah, that is my TikTok journey. So if you're coming to us from where I think we'll probably all promote this episode at one point. That's how, I, that's how I'm here. Kate, how about you? How'd you get started? I actually have kind of a funny story. I downloaded TikTok probably like two seconds into the pandemic because I was curious. And I actually had a completely separate TikTok than the one I have now. I, had, I like talked about, I used to really not talk about running like on social media as much. I don't know why. I just, I downloaded it. I did a lot of voiceovers. I did dances. I was just like purely locked into my apartment during COVID. And this is what I was doing. And I remember posting one video at nine o'clock at night 
and it was about dating and like the next day it grew and I had 5,000 followers and I got to 10 and 20,000 followers really fast and I think I like grew so fast and I didn't love all the things that I had shared because it was like it was nothing about running it was like dating and COVID and funny and it was great but I shut it down actually so that account like I completely shut down it's hard to do and which is was very hard to do and then in retrospect like when I re-downloaded it and tried to grow again I was like wow it's a lot harder to get. <laughs> right they just were giving them away in the beginning <laughs> everyone was like oh don't remember her but then I remember coming back and like I instantly was posting about running like I started to be more true to myself and it didn't really matter to me like how long it took me to get those people back. It mattered more to me that I like liked what I was putting out there. Yes, it's funny to post stuff about dating and post stuff about what dating is like in your 20s or 30s and stuff like that, but it wasn't like it didn't resonate with me anymore. And I just felt like no matter what, I was happy with if I gained a lot of followers or if I was just posting it to watch myself over and over again. That was great. So that I was, didn't know that. Yeah, I, I that. that was my journey on it. And I would say, this is so silly, but I think having TikTok during COVID almost saved me in a way, think, so I could connect with so many different people. Like everyone mm-hmm. on Instagram was everyone I'd already known. It was from high school or from college or from like growing up. And I was just so sick of seeing the same stuff. And I felt like seeing and meeting new people on TikTok actually was so positive for me and it was really helpful to understand. I was working from home. I worked 10 hours a day. I was almost like locked in a house, didn't see the sunshine. It was so hard for me to figure out how to learn how to work from home and having TikTok to just take my brain away from it sometimes was nice to understand. Like I wasn't the only one having that emotion. Mm. I, for so long Mm. in, guilt being like, wow, I have my health. I have a great life. I have the opportunity to work from home. So many people don't get this. Why am I sad? And then I remember going on TikTok and someone was able to express that exact same emotion that I was having. And it made me like feel that I wasn't alone. It was like helpful to connect the dots with people felt the same way I was feeling. Oh man. And now, so that's like a deep, that's like a deep dive into it. But then, and then like when it became, when it came more about running and who I actually am, it just, it resonated with people. Like people, I have a lot of comments that people tell me that I motivate them to go on a run or I motivated them to do something. And I still get so shocked by that because I'm not used to it. I don't know if I will get used to it because in my head, I'm just sharing what I love to do and how I do it. And I think it's really cool that people still are like, you motivated me for my run today, or I chose to sign up for this marathon because of watching you. I think that I won't get used to it. It's really, and that's all I've ever wanted from choosing to walk on to my cross country team in college and then becoming what I am now. That's all I've wanted Mm -hmm. is to help people that might not have been just like me, but just loved to run and knew that they weren't gonna stop running because like most of my college teammates burnt out. I knew I was yeah. keep going and I ha- I love that I can share what I do on this platform. And I feel like all of those reasons are exactly why we love to work with Kate. <laughs> yes. No, for real too. And it, it, like I re- resonate with that so much, especially, I don't know if you ever felt this way, Kate, was I, pre-pandemic, I was trying to be a professional track athlete, be top three in the US. My highest finish was eighth at the US championship. 
And I was like, I'm close, but I'm not there yet. But the thing about pro track is it just beats you into an absolute pulp. You barely win. You run really fast and no one cares. And so I felt the same way on social media. I was like, no one actually cares about me at all. And, but it wasn't in a way of no one cares. I can post what I want. It was like, I'm not good enough to post Mm. at all. And then I actually got connected with a mentor during COVID of a woman who had been a running influencer for a really long time, Dorothy Beale, who manages, I run this body and she's just been doing it for a really long time. And she was like, what are you talking about? You have a really interesting story and you should post more. And it took me a little while. I was like, you know what? F it. You're right. And I went so hard on social media and on Instagram and TikTok. Like I applied to get myself verified. Somehow it worked. I don't know. They were also handing those out by candy, like candy at the time. <laughs> no, those are, hard. But those are hard. That's hard. I know they are hard to get, but the thing that like she made me feel so good about was like, are you making content for your high school friends? Are you making content for people who don't know you yet? And I was like, I didn't even talk to anyone from high school. So who am I making content for? And it was such a great realization of post whatever you want, when you want. And it's just so much more fun that way. I'm like, I am. We're both over here. I want to say, you go for it. I was going to say, this is to... Two quick things on this. One, that's one of my reasons why I think TikTok popped off. It was a new channel. People could be whoever they wanted to be, and they weren't thinking about their high school friends anymore on Instagram and Facebook. But two, I think that's such a great point, and it's advice I give to anybody who will listen and ask, and anyone that ever wants to be on social to creators. There's a million people that have already said what you've said. The difference is how you've said it and your life experience it and how you're going to address it. And it's going to resonate with someone who needs to hear it. And someone might've heard it in a different way and it didn't work for them. And then they hear you say it and you sharing your experience and it resonates. So your voice is important. Your story is important. And if you want to create content, go do it. There's no equation. There's no thing that we know that you don't know. We're just doing it and you haven't started yet. And so just do it. It's just that barrier of like yourself, create a new account. If you want to, I tell people to do that as well. Start a new (laughs) account and like algorithms are also favoring that right now. Really favoring some new creators. So get out there and go create stuff. And that's the fun part. I'm so glad you found Dorothy through that too. Cause one, she's amazing. And two, like you're, I I know is so awesome and so needed and people have really gravitated towards you and you start to notice i started to notice this too people that like care about you on these platforms like tiktok and instagram when you i used to be like i if i didn't have the best race ever i'd be like i can't share it if i didn't have a pnpr if i didn't win if i didn't qualify for the trials like i couldn't post about it and then i realized like People actually do not care whether or not I won the race, (laughs) PR'd, or had the best day ever. They just care because regardless, like, what we do is incredible. If you actually, to us, it feels like everyone runs because we're surrounded by all people that do what we do, (laughs) but people don't. Really, truly, like, not everyone runs, and it's spectacular how much we all have accomplished and need to accomplish. And I just had to remind myself like, okay, I got this place. I didn't PR, but no one cares about that. I'm gonna still share what my experience was like running that race, how I prepared for it and what it meant to me. And I put the work in and then I move on and I continue another day. But you realize like a lot of the time when you're nervous to share it is because you think actually everyone is, they're gonna be like, oh, you had a bad day or oh, you had this. No one's gonna do that because most likely like you had a better day than 99% of 
other people. So you just, I had to. And people just like, when I think there's a level of you feeling bad for yourself, you're like, you know what? Just, I think you can tell when someone's authentic and that it's like when someone comes from Instagram to TikTok, you can just tell because you're like, oh, they've been doing that style of sharing for a long time. <laughs> they've been, they have been hiding their true emotions. They haven't quite figured it out yet, but yeah. it's funny when someone like finally comes over to the dark side and can <laughs> be like, themselves a little bit. And it, I think that's very hard to do as a pro track athlete almost impossible quite honestly because you are so vulnerable all the time your spot is not that secure your contract is not that big you have lots of people to own up to and I think it it does add an extra level of pressure so I think there's a certain amount of freedom with being not a full-time professional where you can be more of yourself versus whether it's your job the whole time and when I, when I was running as a pro, I actually got to a point, which is so funny. I feel like Aaron, you find this entertaining that I was getting, I was doing like a good job and I was getting offered brand deals and I couldn't do them because my contract was so restrictive of the brands that I could work with, not just running shoe brands, like all these other categories. Cause I joined the Boston athletic association, which is a really big club. So they had a beer sponsor. They had a hydration sponsor. They had an airline sponsor. They had a car sponsor. Not that I was getting airlines and cars, but like every category was taken, but yeah, that was a wild tangent just to say, I think there's a lot more freedom with being not a pro. So if any of my pro friends are listening to this, Aaron, what advice would you say to them of if you're still in this really competitive space, how can you still bring that genuine authenticity to yourself? I think it's still just, I would actually say two things on that. One, and Kate and I were chatting about this earlier, I think for pro runners especially, it's a really different and you two are saying this and I'm going to emphasize from an outside perspective, it's got to be a really different ball game to show up on content because your first job is to perform and to practice and keep your head in the game. And we're Kate and I were talking about it in a way of even when we're on our training runs and I'm going to go me, who's a really normal hobby runner. If I'm on a training run, it still takes me out of the mental game to think about what content I'm going to create around that there on TikTok. Like it's a different journey. And when I have pulled back recently of taking content on the run, like my runs feel better because I'm mentally in it. So it's like, I could imagine for a pro runner, it feels probably like an extra layer of stress being like, now how am I gonna also create content around today's workout or today's race or whatever? Like you are already going through such another layer of mental stress that like adding content to it isn't helpful. So I'd say in that regards, find something about what you want to share that feels fun for you because if it's not fun for you you won't do it and your community will be able to tell and it just won't go very well for you and then it'll always feel like another job and i think creating content for everybody whether it's people who a lot of our creators are part-time creators some of our creators are full-time creators and even them like creating content still has to be fun and you need to talk about things you're excited about so even for pro runners find the thing you're excited about and it could be like it could be a series of maybe it's your maybe it's food. Maybe food's more fun. Take some of the training out of it. Or maybe you actually don't show your training at all, but you talk about it later on. Whatever your thing is, find something that like it still feels like an outlet for you so that it's not one more stress on top of an already very stressful world you're living in. Yeah, I my biggest advice to people and I never followed this myself is if you are a pro or you want to make content but you can't start is that you actually should just potentially pay someone to do it for you. If you were going to do a track workout, like compensate people. I think a lot of times pros feel like I'm a pro. I shouldn't have to do this because I'm here. But if you know that you can't film it and it's going to give you extra income to potentially have that content, then I think it's worth it to say, Hey, can you come take a video of me 
and do this. So that's just like a step that hasn't gone yet. Cause I think pros sometimes just assume that things should be done for them yeah. too. And it's really nice when you have a full-time video content creator there, but those people also need to get compensated as well. I will also say like from just the running in college and then post collegiate, like running in my life, we didn't run with a phone. Like I never ran with a phone in college. I didn't run with music. We can't race to music. We don't, I, I used to think, Oh, I can't train with music ever because don't make me, I know, which was, I didn't even have a GPS watch until post-grad. Yeah. My first GPS watch was my senior year of college. So still shocks me that they're so like, you have to have them now to be in college. And so I just really never was used to it for a long time because I just didn't think I would, would ever need to carry my phone or be able to take a video. And so it's gotten more where I have to remind myself like, okay, it doesn't make me any less of an athlete to have my mm-hmm. phone listen to music. But then there's also that fine line where I can't be on an eight mile training run and constantly being like, okay, is this a good time to pull out my phone and take a video? Is this a good time to pull out my phone? Cause I'm alone most of the time. So it's, you have to, like Aaron said, having a balance of the two of them, because I never had a running selfie of myself until maybe seven or eight months ago ever. It's an art. The running selfie is a true art. Truly to have that angle and to make sure you have good camera. It doesn't bounce. You have to have all the things, but what truly can take you out of it. And then if I have a hard workout, I'm not going to keep my phone. If I'm running reps, I'm not going to keep my pulling my phone out. Just it's too much. It's too distracting. So there is such a, if there's such a, and how you go about it. And I've had to create that line for myself. I know when I've crossed it, I know when I'm overextended and I'm exhausted because I have another job on top of it. And then it just feels like I'm going from one job to the next job and then running is a job. So it's like, I have all three of my jobs just like at one time. I think the burnout is so real. And I've talked to Erin about this at length. So she knows where my head's at as well. As someone who did it for, I would say two years, pretty hardcore. And then last year was like very much a transition year for me. I just felt as if I wasn't like having fun with it anymore. And the other very funny part is that now I live with my boyfriend and like, I'm not alone all the time versus when I made content. Like I used to be alone all the time, which I think is so much easier to make content when you're by yourself. Oh, totally. And now I'm getting back to a point where I'm like, wow, I just really don't film TikToks in my house anymore. And I actually enjoyed doing that. So I should probably get back to that because I, my boyfriend out of the room. So funny. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'd like to be alone. I need a bigger, I need a bigger place. That's what the goal is. Get a place where I have a content studio. My TikTok if room? I'm doing a voiceover, which I already have such a hard time mentally for myself doing voiceovers. Cause I have to re-record it over and over again I'll kick Mitch out of the room and I send him to another room and he's listening and I'll like he'll hear me do it mess up go back and he'll just be like you're doing great babe and I just like I'm like get out of the house <laughs> you just have to leave totally leave. for me so- too like when you have an idea for a video though it like strikes me I'm like I have to do this now and then I post yeah. it immediately I will go through walls as soon as I get like one creative thought in my brain I'm like I have to do it right now and don't talk to me I have to film it it, I have to cut it. I have to edit it. I have to put it together. And now it's like, I did it. You just have to roll with it. Cause if I don't, then yeah. it's never going to come back. So Aaron, from your point of view, when you're choosing how to join your agency, cause obviously it's a lot of your time mm-hmm. and you identify certain people you've worked in the health and wellness fitness space. 
but how you're picking your people, and this is going to roll into Kate's, Kate and I's favorite topic, so just prepare yourself of how to talk about running creators as a whole, but we'll start with like how you choose people as someone who's not only a creator yourself, but is deciding like who you want to partner with, because it doesn't take a lot of your time to manage someone, get to know them, and be, you're playing a lot of roles for not only us, but other people. Yeah. I don't know how many creators you manage now. So we manage, it's a little bit different. I think we have eight now. We have eight exclusive. And then we have another smaller group that are like friends of the agency where we don't exclusively manage deals for them. They usually self-manage, but if opportunities arise, we can pull them into deals sometimes if, if like a brand wants to do more. So we have eight, eight that I manage exclusively, including the two of you. And honestly, most of them are runners and that has now happened that's been a little bit happenstance that I love. So it's an interesting question because it's a little bit twofold. The beginning one, I just started this agency in July of 2022. So we're like nine months into this. So it was one of those things that when I started it, part of it was I just needed my first followers. Like I needed the people to buy in really to me and to prove myself. And so a couple of the initial people were friends of mine Kate was actually the first stranger, stranger. (laughs) Like she was the first one I didn't know, didn't have a personal connection to that signed on. And she was the third person I signed on, which is insane. So the fact that she took like a bet on me early on was like that. I just needed that. I needed like from a personal perspective and have an agency. Like we just needed those first people to buy in. Lucky enough for me, it was like the first people have been amazing. And we continue to work with 90% 90% of the first people, which is, it's just, which is great. Since then, we've had a lot of inbound and other things that have worked out. Obviously, Dana, you joined since then and things like that. So I guess a couple of things we're looking for. The first one is we really only work with talent in the health and wellness space. That's just our niche. If you niche down from that, it's pretty much, we're about 80% running now, 20% kind of general fitness. And a lot of that's helpful because we can have a brand deal and sign it across multiple talents. So it just, for where we are, it makes sense from a bandwidth perspective. And that's a lot of my world too. So it's just fun. Honestly, it's really fun. The second thing I really look for is one of the reasons I started the agency was I felt like in the past three years that we all lived through so much big life world things were happening. And I felt like I was seeing a lot of people online that weren't talking about things that really mattered to them because they were afraid. And that was my hypothesis. My hypothesis was people innately want to do well and impact the world positively. But when you have a platform, you are a one man business and there's a whole community of people out there that are judging what you're saying. And if you don't have the support to speak out in ways you want to, or to say something that you're excited about and you get backlash, it's really hard to continue on and to continue to want to talk about things you're excited about. That was another big thing where I wanted to work with creators that wanted to make the world a more positive place and whatever that meant for them. The agency itself stands for really specific impact things and that's all on our website and it's very public and anyone can look that up and we can chat about that in a different world. But all of our individual creators are also trying to make a better impact. And so part of what we're doing is also just like helping support creators that are trying to make positive influence with the, within their communities. So when I'm talking to influencers, I'm really talking to people that are excited about that and not just excited about Amazon links or Sheen unboxings. or We don't need to add more chaos to it. We want to really add value. And so those are the people I'm excited about. And then in a tactical perspective, we need people that have strong communities. So Mm -hmm. have strong engagements. They're continuing 
to grow, they have to also be attractive to a brand, right? Because there's a lot of amazing people out there that I want to be supporting, but if I don't feel like I can also get brand deals for them and I'm the right person, it's yeah. a business. And to like, am I also the right person? Do you want the deals that from the relationships that I have? So if, if I feel like they have high engagement and they're growing and their communities are excited about what they're doing, then that's where I'm like, okay, cool. I can now see businesses that are excited about engaging with your community because that's ultimately what it also is about. We're here, we want to do good things, but we also want to make some money doing it. Financial freedom is part of the fun that I get to do. Oh man, so many good things, so many people involved. I just feel honestly honored. Like I would, I honestly don't know, but yeah, okay, this is on top of that too. But how do you, this is something that I've been figuring out too. So when I was a pro, I only ran for one brand. I was in it, I ran for Adidas and those only shoes I can wear. Now you can wear, now I can wear all of them, which is fun. So how do you balance working with shoe companies in particular that compete against each other in a respectful way? For me, as someone who has been doing this a fair amount, I have my own take, but I'll save it. I want to hear what your, from like a business perspective, yeah. how do you manage that? I'd say one thing, and I was going to actually say this earlier when you were talking about professionals hiring support and content, which I think is a brilliant, everything is negotiable. Every single thing is negotiable. So if you're talking to a brand, you're interested in talking to a brand, they send you a contract, you're looking for exclusivity. So I'm going to talk about the fundamentals of it first. If you want exclusivity or not, that's up to you and you can negotiate that in or out of a contract. So if you are really excited about one brand and you do want to go in bed with them and work with them exclusively for a long time, that's great. That should be a higher price. They need to know that you're now walking away from other opportunities with other brands. However, I think personally, Running shoes are so personal. Like shoes I love, you might hate. In fact, we were literally talking about, there's a, we won't name the shoe, but there's a shoe I'm obsessed with that Kate's not the biggest fan of, but that's so normal because she has a different foot than I have and a different gait pattern than I have. And she has a running, different running style. So I think especially with certain things like running shoes, running clothes, even gels, like we all have different stomachs and like we can handle certain things. I think it's different. Obviously the pro space is really different, but there's so many different types of running shoes and the technology is, is getting better and better all the time that there's a lot of great shoes out there that are good for everyone. And so I don't think it's a problem when you're talking about different shoes, because if you walk into my apartment as Kate did, I have about 30 pairs of <laughs> shoes. This first thing you walk into Oh, my, I could show you my... Yes, exactly. Yes. And I love them all. Otherwise I wouldn't have them. And you'll see eight different brands over there. Yep. So it's not, they're not competing against each other per se. It's just finding what they all you're excited about. a different about. purpose for a different time, different workout, different everything. Yeah. I think that there's always, it's not going to work for everyone what the brands are, but I also think you can be like really respectful of a brand and their mission while creating content for other brands too. And it's something that I've actually talked to some people about who work internally at these companies and they're like, yeah, we get it. But if during that window of the time that you're exclusive with us, like you're really loyal and organic and awesome and a good partner, then it just makes sense. I was saying this to somebody yesterday, I think like there, I remember when I was in grad school, so like 2014, 2015, the only thing that I saw for such a long time was one path to being a pro. I never saw, and it, pro it was out there definitely, but I never saw it. Like I used to think that you went to college, you signed a contract and then you were a pro and then you took off and that was your job. I remember seeing the first deal 
really happen between a clothing brand and a shoe brand because clothes didn't have shoes and the shoes didn't have clothes. And I remember, oh my gosh, throwback. I remember, <laughs> right. And I remember this and you you all are probably thinking of the same three women that I am, but I remember they were the first ones to have this deal. And I just remember being like, wow, okay. It is possible for that to happen. And then the reason, one of the reasons my like I've started sharing more of my story was because I feel like there are more women that are like me than the path of being a pro and signing a deal right out of college. That's an amazing, that's an amazing accomplishment, but I feel like there are more people that have the path where they graduate. They're not sure how they're going to make it. They might work at a running store. They might coach, go into a full-time job, and then they slowly and slowly improve, and they race, and they win a championship. And then it just, look at Kira Diamato, who took time off and then became like the American record holder in the marathon after 20 years. And you're like, where did she come from? But truly, if you look at her past, she was phenomenal, but she took that time off. And I think more people sharing stories like that is so important to me, which is why I'm always, I would talk about my story all the time. I walked onto my college cross country team. I was just falling off the back seven all the time. I worked my butt off to keep up. I worked really hard. I graduated. I was just not burnt out because I just had this fire that I wanted to keep going. And I noticed all of my teammates did burn out and there is one that's still going and she's phenomenal but I noticed the rest of them like hung their shoes up and just didn't want to compete anymore and I just couldn't do that so I scraped by I worked at a running store I coached I did everything I could and just continue on this path and when I qualified for the trials in 2020 I like picked my head up and was like wow I did it like it was And I shared more and more of my story along the way. And it meant so much to me to know that I wasn't the only one doing that. There are nurses, there are moms, there are engineers, all of these amazing women that aren't just pros full time that get the job done and go to the trials. It's absolutely incredible. And that's like why I will just get louder and louder, I think. I love it. Keep it going. Matters. It matters so much to me that you see that there's not one path. There's so many different paths. I also think it makes you more rounded. I think so too. Some of my hardest times as a pro was when I only had running and it felt like very suffocating in that way where I was like, there's so much more to me. I feel like I have more to give, but you don't exactly, you're exhausted, first of all, foremost and lose a little bit of yourself. So I do think having that balance and for me as well, financial security is huge. I was really having a hard time when I was running full-time, which a lot of pros are. And when your performance and COVID and all that, but when your performance is tied to your money, I think showing up to a race, knowing that your performance does not dictate how you live for the next couple months is such a factor. And this is a persistent problem across the running board. But Kate, I wanted to ask you about, yes, you just did project 13.1, which I wrote about a little about in my newsletter today about what a cool event to try to get so many new people to OTQ. As you're at an event like that and you are, you have an incredible full-time job, you're a content creator, you've been on this journey, you're showing up to the line like very confident 
and self-assured. How do you feel on that starting line in that group of people now versus where you started? Oh my gosh. I feel like I belong. I belong now. I don't, I, it took a long time of convincing myself that I was just as good and I belong there just as much as everyone else. I remember when I first graduated and I was starting to get into marathoning and I showed up to races where women that I had looked up to for so long were there and I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I'm just happy to be here. I'll just, I used to, I almost used to like self, just bring my own self down, almost make a joke about, joke about it. I'd be like, okay, I'll just hang on to the back. But really, I was like, no, I'm in great shape. I can keep up with you, I can pass you. But I think being there now compared to where it was when I graduated from college, I'm confident. I know that I'm there to compete and show up. And also, all of, Project 13.1, those, it's designed specifically for people that are like me, who are amateurs, who are not full-time pros, who don't, don't just race for one brand and have the support of the sponsorship. I think it was an amazing race for them to put on for people that do what I do. And it was just so much fun being out there. I just, having a pack of women like that is phenomenal. So many times you get into a race, especially like a half or a full and if it's not one that, like CIM was very similar. We have a pack of women going for the OTQ. It's easy to run fast when you have that many people surrounding you. And when you go sometimes to other races and they're not those types of situations, it's a little bit harder. But when you have the Project 13.1 where it's designed to bring women like you together to do that, it was, I felt like I was flying. It just was like so much easier to work hard with people like that. Oh man, I wish I was there to watch it. I wrote my little newsletter and I was like, this is such an incredible event. Maybe it was good that you stayed home and stayed warm, but great. I'm a little far away from that. Yeah. We all sit in a, there's like a running spectrum of content creation as well. And there's the, I would say pro is one end and then gimmick is the other end of how I see it of... (laughs) Let's do it. There's legitimate. Dana, tell me more. What do you mean? Yeah, no, I have opinions. People have yours. Yeah, no, here's the thing. I sometimes feel as if I am unqualified to share running content, which is Mm. pretty funny, but I don't have a coaching certification and I'm not a strength trainer. So I'm very happy to give you advice, but I will always have a disclaimer of this is, this is my background. This is what I know. And this is what I don't know. And I really don't like to give people into a certain territory where I don't belong. I think that on the internet, there's often risky behavior a lot of the time when it comes to what people are sharing and consuming, especially it comes to, I think on TikTok, there's a lot of new athletes and they see people doing crazy stuff like running 40 miles off of no training or just not treating an injury correctly or things like that. And I think it's really hard to sort out for yourself and it takes a lot of time and energy to pick your behavior. But yeah, I guess the question of the day is how do you be an informed consumer of content for running? Okay, so this is really hard. And I have thought, I've thought so much about this ever since I started seeing more and more people who I genuinely just wondered and this was not out of hate or anything it was more out of what is your genuine qualification to be giving this statement to be saying this and to be giving this advice and having run 
for so long in every different area of life and have having grown as a runner from a young woman who then went through high school, college, and post-collegiate, I have my own you know, background and experience. And I think it's so great that people have discovered running later in life. I think that's the beautiful thing about running, right? You can do it forever. It's not a sport like swimming or basketball or football where if you played competitively, you have such a short period of time and then you can't really do it as much anymore. And you can play in leagues and stuff like that as an adult, but you can't. Running is that thing where you can race and be competitive. So I love that people have taken on running and are sharing their advice, but I also struggle so much sometimes when I hear something that I know is not correct. And I don't think that they are, they're not ill-intentioned and they might not know that it's, this is, I'm just gonna say it, like I can't really say it in an elegant way. They don't know it's bad advice, but having yeah. lived in the running world and being in the running world for so long, I, and it's also so hard because I think people, I made a video about this and somebody made a comment that said, if you're going to say something like this, just call, call the person out. And but it's not one person. Not one person. I can't call one person out because I can, I constantly see people that just because they have a sponsorship attached to their name or they're showing you the new brand deal that they got, doesn't mean that they hold all of the qualifications for you to take all of their advice. And that's. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard in this space because you want there's you want there to be room for everyone, but then there's just this blurry line where you like you're like, but what, like at what point are we gonna say maybe you should realize that you don't have the background to be giving this? I actually, Dana, I want to hear what you yeah. want to say on this, and then I actually have a question <laughs> for two of, the two of you. So. You. Okay. Okay. So I think like a good example for people listening who don't know really know what we're talking about is, and I'll do a more general example than specific running one, but people like giving advice on gut health. First of all, gut health is like, it's such an interesting topic, but they're not dietitians. They're not certified. They're just either peddling supplements or skinny people who already look that way to begin with. And I think when it comes to the running world, there, there is a lot of opportunity in this space and there's a lot of brands and you can talk to a lot of brands. I think it's one of the most incredible spaces because so many brands right now are playing and running. And I think it's hard for me to watch some creators making videos knowing that I can just, maybe they're not unhappy, but I just see that they are personally unhappy because I've been there and I've been in a place with my training that's not going well and tried to make videos about it. And like, for me, that's what just gets me the most is like the inauthenticity. Like, why are you like, it? Like, why are you, tra like, why are you training for a race if you're injured? That's so unhealthy for, and I feel bad for the individual. I'm like, don't do that to yourself because you feel like you have to have these obligations to a brand to make videos. And that's what, like the number one things that make me so sad is when I see people doing stuff because I know there was obligations and I wish they just had a relationship to say, raise their hand, like, hey, I can't do this right now. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Yeah. But people make some weird content when they're personally unhappy and, and, or just like living rogue lifestyles. You're like, that looks gets the clicks, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's totally fair. And I also think that's a great point of every brand deal is a relationship and it's a relationship like you are working in good faith with the brand The brands working in good faith with the creator that they're also wanting you to be authentic. If a brand is saying, 
if a brand is pushing you to do something that doesn't feel right for you, like your trust with your community is all you have as a creator. That is actually all you have. So if you lose that trust by doing things that you don't feel comfortable with, or you don't feel like you can say something, like you're disintegrating the trust with your community, which isn't gonna be valuable for very long. But just, that was actually an aside. My question. <laughs> all right, what's the question? Here we go. Question. Let's hear it. Especially as you two are both pro runners, you've run for a really long time. You mm -hmm. see a lot of content that I know both of you have flagged to me as questionable before. <laughs> Would you ever call someone out? And if you were to in, call them out or call them in. And if you were, how would you? I actually had a conversation with my boyfriend about this where I saw something the other day and I was like, I should say something. And he's like, you should just not and protect your peace. Why are you doing that to yourself? Yeah. And I was like, no, I should say something on the internet and it's actually a completely different topic about this and I was like I want to I want to call this editor out because that article st stunk and he's, but why are you skimming into the void so that's my take on it is that I am not confrontational in that way on the internet because I've seen my content go to places of the internet that are my community and that's what hate videos do yeah. is you know when you get a really viral video you go from hey, this is an anti-gravity video of me running an Alter-G to, no, that's bullshit, that's not real gravity, that's stupid, whatever. And you're like, those aren't even like the reasons of the people I wanted to talk to. So I think if I was to be super confrontational, I'd probably do it in this format, long-form podcasting, to ask questions and really dig into someone's brain. But like I said before, I feel like a little too much of an empath to do that because I'm like, I am always assuming Maybe incorrectly, I'm like, they must be going through something on the other end because that's not normal. Yeah. That's how, that's my point of view. I like it. I, oh my gosh. I just send things to Kate. I'm like, I would say something, but I can't waste my time on this. Here's the way that I get through it. I send it to Dana or I send it to you and I go blah, blah, and then I forget about it. And then it comes up again. I send it to Dana or I send it to you. But I do like to warn people though, not to interrupt, but I do like to warn people and make like generalizations. Like I don't think going at an individual ever is the right thing to do, but I do think it's fair to, I made this video once that was like, be careful of what you watch. There's some weird things on here. Yeah. And I think that is how I confront. So would you ever, I want to make this specific then, if you saw someone post, make a video about something that was like actually false, like they were giving false specific information about running that you know is false, would you ever comment on the video? I have, oh, okay. Okay, I have two things. Back to your first question. I ha would have, feelings about the brand that they're representing their content was consistently man i think that when you sign this sign a deal and you are representing the brand you hold up their values and if a brand is also representing a bunch of other very high level athletes you need to realize that like those athletes are held to a standard and that standard also needs to be a reflection of what you do too. And I don't, I think that it's a reflection of the brand too. If you're throwing out really negative and, and not like Dana said, if you're going through something and you're giving out some like very sketchy advice, then I think that's maybe the brand needs to be held accountable as well. And I think I made something about that a little bit ago and I did get mixed feedback on it, but brands need to be held accountable for also who they bring in the partnerships as they well hold. and yeah. what they, and then realize, Hey, is that actually what the message we want to be 
sharing. Yeah. I think as you get to such a big organization too, like it's really easy to say the brand is the monolith, right? But there's the brand budget that goes to celebrity. There's the brand budget that goes to influencers and there's the brand budget that goes to athletes. And now that we're in this like interesting territory where, you know, you can kind of end all those together. It makes it a little bit messy. And I think brands honestly don't know a ton about what works and what doesn't work. So there's a lot of guessing involved, which is why they go to someone like an Aaron who understands how it works. But yeah, no, I think overall, I'm just really grateful that I did not grow up with the internet. So I'm sorry for everyone who is. I didn't have social media until, I guess, TikTok, I told you when I was 26. But now Instagram, I used as a photo editing app. And it's not as public as it was before. I think we all just saw that hilarious Sofia Coppola video. Did you guys see that? Oh, of the girl. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing ever. This girl. Send it to us. So, no, it's not even running related. Sofia Coppola was in the Godfather 3. Her daughter made a TikTok saying she was grounded for trying to private charter a helicopter and she's like, no one's gonna see this video and she like tries to figure out what's the difference between an onion and a shallot it's like the funniest video ever and it completely blew up on tiktok i think she had 20 followers who were all of her friends someone figured out who it was because she does hold up a grammy who was her father's in the video That's and it blows up and nothing's private anymore no. total tangent here but yeah no i think we should have to be informed consumers make sure you subscribe to the video make sure you subscribe to the newsletter so that you'll get the link to the tiktok so you know what we're talking about. i don't think this will be in there that's my other that's my other thing that i struggle with too is i've had so many different versions of myself on the internet i'm having a hard time like crafting which part to share where and which is why i'm so excited for the newsletter because i'm like everything needs to live in one place you can have the whole day in a world in one location um erin's probably heard about this for like seven months now i think the thing that i, I like so fan. much about tiktok is that i didn't feel like i had once i started my new one i didn't feel like i had to craft like what i like this is the one part of me i'm sharing i like started just sharing it all like i've cried on the internet i've talked about everything like that goes on and I people know that I have a full-time job I don't like always talk about what I do all the time but like I have started sharing everything and that's been freeing because then I feel like I don't have to go through these checks in my mind and say oh I can't talk about this I can't talk about this because I don't I started to just be a little bit more free and I've moved that over more to Instagram as well because I've started letting that wall come down of not caring I need to do that that person was like mean to me in college but still follows me i needed to i stopped caring about what they thought and i just said to myself if they don't want to see it they will leave and the people that want to see do you ever feel like it's giving them too much though like for me that's what it feels like yeah i feel like it's giving too much of me and i've enjoyed taking a step back a little bit and having some things that are just for myself totally fair yeah so this is something i say a lot too is like Social media is your platform, it's your rules. And yes, we're all living by the algorithm rules and the larger platform rules, but like, don't pay attention to what everyone else is posting or not posting. You get to decide to show up however you wanna show up and that's it. And I say this to one of our other, one of the other talent, One Balanced Life, Taylor Dads, and she was really, she has this really beautiful food page, makes incredible recipes, and there's just so much more to her. Like she loves food and loves the stuff, but she's also a phenomenal runner. And she mm. qualified for Boston. She's such a good runner. And so she was really struggling, like how do I show up as these other parts of myself 
But this community, I don't know if they care or they don't care. And then how is that going to make me feel if I'm sharing something that they also, they don't care about as much as they care about my shrimp tostada, which went viral last week. Looks delicious. Right. And I think that's one thing I talk with her a lot about. And I also talk about it with myself and other talent too. It's like, it's your platform. Like you get to, and I have a whole workshop I've taken some creators through when they hit this roadblock of what are the things that are, that you feel like you're knowledgeable about and are excited, yet you're excited about. And What are the things that you're not excited about and you don't want to talk about? Create boundaries for yourself. Like these are the three content buckets I'm going to talk about on social and that's it. Maybe it's running and it's food around running and it's my get ready with me in the morning and that's it. And I don't talk about my relationships and I don't talk about my family and I don't talk about whatever, but like you get to decide whatever those boundaries are for you and then how you want to present it. So you could say, I know everyone's excited about reels right now. I hate reels. Creating video content's really stressful for me and it takes me 12 hours and I don't want to do it. I love carousels. I'm going to do carousels. Great. Go for it. Hey, stories are really stressful for me because I don't feel like I'm getting the same amount of reach in my stories that I should be. And I'm playing this constant game. Then don't do stories. Like don't worry about the game that you need to play with the algorithm and with your community and with the other creators and keeping up, play the game that gets you excited about being on that channel and creating content and the community will come. It will happen. I think a very interesting take on this is that I just post stuff and don't really care how it performs, which is not the best <laughs> point of view, but it makes things perform. <laughs> it makes things perform well when it does, but it's funny to me where I like, I used to really care how things performed. And now the second you stop, you stop caring so much, they do better. And you're like, when did that, how did that happen? It like brings everyone to But part of that's because that means you're posting when you feel like you want to post, not feeling because you have to post. And I believe strongly that you can feel the energy and when you have something to say or something to share, people can tell and they get excited about it. When you're posting because you feel like you have to post that day or should post, they always flop because people can tell. Always. Always. And I find myself in this spot where I'm like, okay, like I've seen all of these get ready with me to go run to end miles videos today i have to make mine and i'm like no i no i don't like and i find like making you need to get ready with me is i've tried to film so hard <laughs> i've tried so many i'm like <laughs> the number of videos this might not be my type of content here i want to see dana's draft box yeah show it to us oh <laughs> my drafts are deep i deep I've had to start going back through and just like deleting all the five minute videos that i have that yes like, i'm like can't save that can't save that yeah can't save that. that was too vulnerable that was too much but i found that if i am sitting it's like it's usually also when i'm like been working for a few hours and i'm taking a break and i'm looking at my phone and i've seen all this stuff like oh i should post something and then i spend 15 minutes trying to figure out what i'm gonna post and i'm like that is an key a cue to not post anything if i'm spending 15 right. trying to decide what i'm gonna put on the internet in my free time for my real job today like i should just close my phone like it's gonna flop anyway gonna i think there's an inverse anyway there's a correlation one where if i consume more i post less yeah and if i'm posting more i consume less 100 percent. so that's i think a, a weird little thing about it like i think if you're consuming a lot you just don't feel inspired because you're like i've seen everything you're inundated yeah, yeah. 
for sure. I find when I post a lot, I just, I'm like so in it. And then I like look at my, I'm like, I study and analyze my video. And then I'm like, okay, I watched just videos of myself for how long? <laughs> like really. And then her, I do that too. I do that too. Is up 40%. I hate my screen time. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I, I turned that off. I turned that off. I can't do that. Turn it off. I need to turn that I off. I need to turn that off because it makes me sick on a Sunday night. I'm like, embarrassing. What? I don't even want to know. It's work y'all. It's work. It is. Yeah. It's okay. truly work. It is hard when it is part of your job, for sure. All right, ladies, we've been talking for an hour, so I have three questions to end with. But I know Erin's got to get some good rest because she's got some exciting th things going on. But we're gonna, just going to do a couple rapid fire here. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm just going to shoot them off. Favorite app? Go, just go. Got to answer. Oh, the Wordle app. No, oh, the Wordle app. Okay. I use it every day. I do Wordle every day. <laughs> I don't know if we were like talking about a social media app. Does it matter? No, no, favorite app, just general. Oh God, I did a good answer. I was like, literally, my brain went to Gmail. How long am I? <laughs> I was gonna go weather. So, <laughs> what's the current pair of running shoes that you are training in and then doing workouts in? Clifton Nine, and I will do workouts in the Mach Five. And then I interchange between, I have four different pairs of shoes, the Rocket X2 and the Alpha Fly. It's a good lineup. I'm obsessed with the Adidas Addy Zero SLs right now. They're my go-to. They're my go-to fast, easy great. day. I love them. I know. And the teal, so cute. They're a go-to for me right now, workouts. I just ran my half, my PR, in the Rocket X2s, which I love. Ooh. Second time ever running in them. Very big fan. They're great. Yeah. Your turn. Your turn. I know. I'm actually on the ASICS website because I'm like, I don't know the name of these. <laughs> I'm like, which ones are they? I've been trying the shoe and I actually did a workout in them because I thought that they were a super shoe, but they're not. And so I just did a workout on the other day on the track in a trainer, which is hilarious. Amazing. Very big fan of the A6 Super Blast. Obsessed. It's like a marshmallow. It's amazing. We're in the marathon. And love. There's no plate in them, right? There's no plate. Yeah, no, really haven't been enjoying those. I also, I have five trainers because I've mostly just been doing training and not hard workouts. I'm looking at them now. The New Balance 880s, the On Cloud Monster, and then I've been doing a lot of trail running too. So I've got a bunch of Solomon shoes nice. and Merrill shoes for trail running. So that's kind of the lineup. I'm sure I'm missing some, but yeah. Very I haven't run in the next percents in a hot minute since my half marathon. That kind of hurt me a little. Yeah. Okay, long run. What's the first thing that's on in your playlist? You go first. I listen to the crap. It's not the daily. Up first. I listen to the news. Me too. No way. Oh yeah. I can't listen to like hype music. I run too fast. No, me too. I either it's either that or it's if I've already listened to that day, it'll be like very chill. It's like chill tunes. So I'll put on I have like a soul playlist, like a literally an R and B playlist mm. for the first like hour. Yeah, I'm podcasts, news mostly, trying to learn more about finance, and then Mount Joy Radio on Spotify. Yes. Do you listen to Money with Katie? <clears throat> no, should, I should. <laughs> Put her on your finance podcast rotation. All right, writing it down. Okay, so I actually cannot do music for a long run. I don't know what it is about the long run. I just, I actually love to not have music for a long run, but I do listen to music in a lot of just like easy training runs during the week. And I do listen to, I have, I like the curated Spotify like playlist 
daily, like, your daily mix. Yeah, your daily. It's a lot of Taylor Swift. Like I am a full <laughs> Swifty. If you haven't learned that by following me at this point, like you should probably pay more attention because it's a lot of Taylor. The 1975 is also like a good chill start off. If I'm trying to just chill out and not trying to like. Mm-hmm. go outside of my chest. I also have my own Spotify playlist called The Running Playlist that I is pretty popular. Ooh, <laughs> I love that one. I made one last year after our, it's called you, POV, You Just Watched a Marathon. Yeah. And it's like, that. you know that feeling the day after you saw people do it and you're like, I'm going to do one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So Add these to the show notes. After what? Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Good playlist. Yeah. Those are really good. Okay. Last question is... What is your dream race that you haven't done yet? Mine's the New York City Marathon. <gasps> you haven't done that one? Amazing. I've never run a marathon. I forget that. Oh, I forget that. I know. I'm still like a little short distance girly. I'm still trying to figure it out. Is this the year or no? I think New York 2024 is my thought. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, we're we can do it together. We'll get a house. Yeah. We'll get a bow. We'll get a bow out going. Kate, what's yours? Olympic trials 2024 has got to be. You don't say that. My dream race. That's my only thing that I care about. I've actually never run a world major either. My first, you've run more world majors than I have. Very slowly. Amazing. That doesn't slowly. matter. You still ran them. I am going to be running Chicago this year. I'm very excited. But if I had to pick, oh, this is my dream. I don't care how fast I run it. I don't care. Like about any of it, I would want to do this marathon down in Texas, actually in Marathon, Texas. And Ooh, then, love you know, that. It's Sounds hot. It's in Marathon, Texas, and then they think they run from Marfa to Marathon. You ever been to- I think there can be a cool brand activation with this, but yeah, yeah. We'll sit, we'll pitch that another day. Pretty awesome. Marfa, Texas, baby. It's really cool. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't really have a dream race in my brain right now. If it's going to be a dream race, mine's going to be like somewhere like I want to go to it'd be like Paris or Athens and to be something more like like should do yeah a trip should do yeah Berlin. a trip I don't know why those they all just feel so done hasn't everyone run I know. one already everyone's done that one. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, I lied about my my last question's even better because we have to tie this up with a nice little bow. And it's if you have one piece of advice to give to someone who wants to create content, what would it be? Given so much good advice tonight, I feel like I gave all my good stuff away. Good advice. If you had to summarize it, just do it. Stop watching what everyone else is doing. Find one thing you enjoy sharing about and share from your perspective, not from what you're trying to be exactly what you are and what you're excited about learn who you are i think is one of the biggest things before you just start blindly sharing things i think for a long time i shared stuff without like truly diving into who i was and then i connect more with my content now when i actually like feel confident in who i am so make sure you're also in a place where you feel like comfortable and confident to put yourself out there mm-hmm. on the internet because it can it's not like we do have wonderful communities, I would say, but it's not always... It's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> always yeah. like that. And I do have moments where I see something that was not nice, and I see it, and I maybe... Oh, I'm a comment deleter. I'm a yeah. goodbye. I will blo- I block people yes. so fast. 
and I do it for my own well-being. And then I sometimes you your rules. Sometimes I have to be like, oh, maybe I should let it sit there because I look like I'm just filtering. But then I'm like, this is my life, and I only get so much time, and I'm not going to waste it with people just constantly sitting there making me feel terrible. But truly, learn who you are, and don't be afraid to share about yourself. But make sure you're in a good spot. I love it. My number one is Maria Maria Kondo, your page. If you see something that doesn't bring you joy, block it or mute it. Maria Kondo is not number one. Great one. Is not a clean freak anymore, though. Side tangent. Oh, the old Maria Kondo. <laughs> if you don't like it, it just, if you hold it up and you just say goodbye, you served me and you set it free. Don't bring um, that's my number one thing for Instagram. If you're seeing things that makes making you, it's a reflection of you and not that person. You have to get rid of it and you have to reflect on yourself. And my second thing is. If you're passionate about something and people make fun of you, they're not your people. People really care about you. The people who care about you and you're in your corner will support you no matter what. So if you feel like they're talking behind your back, they're just not your people. So the worst kind of people yeah. are people that laugh when other people are excited about something. There's room for us all on the finish line, baby. Yeah, that's it. So true. I love that. Those are good. Really good. So fun. More Than Running is hosted on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network and is edited and produced by Mike Zerzolo. If you like the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter. You can find me at More Than Running with Dana on Substack, where I expand on several more running topics. Until next time.